Welcome to People of Eternia. I'm Tom Romero. When the Twin Lines website first started, I knew I was going to interview some very interesting and talented people, but I never thought I would meet an actual filmmaker that was not only talented, but had such a deep passion for toy collecting. Combined with his love of film, he has given us such great documentaries as Nintendo Quest, video game box art, Powers of Grayskull, and recently Action Figure Adventure. His movies have not only educated us, but has reunited a special place in toy collecting. You can find him and his best friend, Jay Bartlett, talk about toys every Monday on the Jay and Rob Toy Show. His latest project is Faking Filmation, a documentary about Saturday morning cartoons that will kickstart on April 6th. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Rob McCallum. Hey, Rob, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. I, I wasn't sure you were talking about me with the way that that intro was going. It's like, I want to meet this filmmaker guy. Maybe we can team up and do some stuff. That was oh, a yeah, very lovely excellent. introduction. Thanks. <laughs> nice. So you've been a pretty busy guy lately. You have Mr. Dresser, Faking Filmation. Yeah, very busy. I mean, Faking Filmation is the newest project, as you said, and we've been working on it behind the scenes since... PowerCon 2019 in some capacities. So it's finally cool to kind of pull back the curtain, show some key art, and uh, most recently do a Q&A live stream kind of walking through our Kickstarter campaign goals and rewards and what we're hoping to do and really gauge the feedback of the whole scope of that project and what we're trying to do with cartoon history and, of course, James Etock and his quest, his cartoon quest, to release The Return of Faker and uh, also show how he was able to create that phenomenal piece of animation that's 31 minutes long over a four-year period so that looks oh there it is nice yeah so you're gonna kick start at april 6th the goal tentatively and i don't know why it would change unless i get busy with other things uh is to launch our kickstarter for faking filmation on tuesday april 6th probably early morning east coast standard time uh, and see what we can make happen to see if people want to see the story, if they want to hear about cartoon history, the rise and fall, the role of Filmation as a pioneering studio in Saturday morning cartoons, uh, and to see how all that stuff impacted so many of us, uh, and notably, of course, James and his in his journey to to not only chronicle all of cartoons that he grew up with and documented and and author books by Dark Horse and create. Uh, fan magazines like Serial Geek, but also to go out and pay the ultimate homage to the creators of his favorite show, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, by creating his own cartoon that fits within the look and style and uh, vibe of that. So it's it's going to, if we get our goal of $25,000, which is a lot of money, um, we will be able to create production. The ultimate goal, of course, is 50000 Then we can give you guys a, a really excellent feature-length film um, if you love Power of Grave Skull, Definitive History, He-Man and the Masters Universe, if you love Nintendo Quest, if you love Action Figure Adventure, you will be right on board and at home with what we want to do with Faking Filmation. Nice. I can't wait. Now, you have a release date of January 2023. Is that due to yeah, COVID? I mean, or? That's me throwing a dart at the board, guessing how long this stuff kind of takes. COVID has definitely impacted things. We wanted to be where we are now a year ago. James was going to come across the pond to America, and we were going to do a bunch of filming with him in Chicago and in L.A. and New York, and it just couldn't pan out because the world shut down. So that gave us time to retool, things continue to develop behind the scenes, and we had already started shooting interviews at that point as well. We filmed with Al Staples and Motu Joe Teague, 
so their interviews are in the can, which is nice, but there's so much more work to do. And it's just been kind of, let's wait and see, let's wait and see. And we're still waiting and seeing that $25,000 base goal allows us to start production. We'll probably do a remote scenario using some new high-end technology uh, at our disposal. Um, as you can tell with the Jay and Rob toy show and even my feed here, it's a pretty crystal clear image. We're using cinema cameras in, an, a, rem in a remote live stream uh, setting. So we think we can build together a package or something very similar, ship it out to people, walk them through some tech setups, or if some people are from are comfortable and things ease up with vaccinations and protocols, then it'll be easier to travel and, and loop people in and, and meet them face to face and hear their tale of, you know, cartoon and animation history and what it means to them. Yeah, that's awesome. I can't wait to actually get it in my hands and, you know, start enjoying it. Now, <laughs> well, we got a lot of work to do before that can happen, but I love the enthusiasm, Tom. I love oh, being yeah, just I'm like, all... oh, yeah, no, that sounds great. I just can't wait to get it. Like, okay. I'm on board. It's, yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad, I'm glad you're on board. <laughs> so how did this all start and come about? Did you know James previously or? Yeah, I met James inadvertently through heman.org and I had ordered copies of Serial Geek around 2008, 2009. Uh, and I thought it was just really fantastic. And I saw that he kept coming up uh, in the forums and talking about stuff and really spreading his expertise of, of the subject matter. And it was cool. And it was in a very non-condescending way. It made it very accessible. So I got super excited about somebody who shared a passion, but that also had a ton of information that I didn't have or even consider to think about. Uh, so it was that that dual tandem of, oh, here's another kindred spirit, but here's someone who knows all this stuff and just wants to share. It isn't a gatekeeper, doesn't look down upon people, wants the community to grow and, and be bigger and know the, the right information, not the misconceptions. Uh, so when Power of Grayskull got successfully funded, thanks to the community and, and our kickstarting efforts, and we booked a stop at PowerCon, I thought, yes, here's my chance to finally meet, meet James Etock. And we got to meet, we hung out, we shared a drink, but we also had a nice interview with him. Uh, and it was cool to sit there and really pick his brain and, and have him walk through, you know, the whole history of He-Man and the Masters Universe and She-Ra Princess of Power and everything in between and how that started, you know, as the billion dollar franchise through the 80s and then what happened after, how did it evolve? When that wrapped up and he saw it, he was happy. Of course, we interviewed him for action figure adventure. He's like, I'm not really a toy guy, but I really, I really like what you've done with this. I'm like, oh, this is cool. And a couple days later at PowerCon, he was slated to show his his work, The Return of Faker, this 31-minute uh, opus, this homage to uh, all the, the animators and creators uh, at Filmation that helped create, you know, his his favorite show of all time. And then, you know, he mentioned the cease and desist that he got, barring him specifically from showing it at PowerCon. And he did a song and dance. He did a bit of a process thing where he's like, look, here's a few clips. Let me show you how I did it. Here's some more clips. And he kind of walked through all the different stages different components that went into making the whole thing far from being able to sit back and, and watch a 31 minute show if you will very interruptive very disruptive but you could still see the magic that was going on there and i said james the next day i said you know you've got something really cool here and i think there's a way to get this out there and i think the cease and desist is going to help you more than it's actually going to hurt you and that's when the conversation started He's, he thought really I, I can still get this out there so he had like a glimmer of hope and i said Oh yeah, we're gonna find a way to get this out there, and we've been talking ever since. And the quest is about to begin. Very exciting. So, is DreamWorks? Did you interview anyone at DreamWorks? 
did they want to speak with you in the dock or nothing at all? So faking filmation is very early on, other than the oh, two okay. interviews that we did with Val Staples and Motu Joe and some stuff that I've done with James. Nothing has happened. There's been zero time or resources other than what we put in, researched, and the stuff that we've already captured. So if we get kickstarted, that, that money goes to support the entire process and, and going forward. We can't, unfortunately, especially during a pandemic era that we live in, yeah. it, dump a lot of you know resources into it and a lot of this stuff much like nintendo quest and action figure adventure can't happen unless cameras are rolling james has a plan that he wants to kind of see executed he has a road that he wants to travel to see what he can do with his cartoon and i've had to hold him at bay saying don't do anything because if we get funded we need to capture everything whether it's a phone yeah. call whether it's a flight whether it's you know you walking around la looking at the old filmation studios Everything has to be captured because it becomes part of the story and you never know when ideas are going to, you know, come up or get spit out and we need them captured on camera as much as possible. So it's been keeping the caged tiger of James Etock at bay while we hope to get funding to tell this story. And of course, the story is much bigger than James. It's, it's about the impact of cartoons. James is the result of that impact, a guy who loves it and breathes and has made a career out of cartoons, especially from the 80s. But why, does, why do cartoons do that? And if you've seen Action Figure Adventure, and I know you have, you'll see that we delve into a lot of these big, uh, broad topics when it comes to action figures. We talk about play features and scales and play sets and packaging and the impact that each of these components have. We'll be doing the same with cartoons and animations here. Uh, you know, why did Saturday morning become the day? Uh, when did it shift to after school? What kind of effect did that have? And what role did politics play? Um, let's talk about toys and cartoons. What is the relationship there? It's going to go deep. It's going to be fun. There's not going to be any wrong answers. It's going to be a lot of food for thought. And the result is always going to be a guy like James Etock. He wants to take four years of his life and the help of other people to create this 31 minute cartoon that for everybody that's seen bits of it, man, they are so pumped and everybody is rooting for this guy to, to have a home run bottom of the ninth. They, they want to get up off their feet and just cheer because it, all it is is a love letter. It's not like some sort of scheme to get rich. James doesn't want to make money off it. He just wants it out there. Right. I mean, it's a passion project. And speaking of your other, um, movies like action figure adventure you really dive deep into you know the history of your topic now with that being said saturday morning cartoons was more than just filmation will other cartoons be included as well like hanna barbera or oh absolutely uh we'll be talking about all kinds of cartoons the way i like to look at all my projects is kind of like a funnel what is the broad thing that that top thick layer up top and that's cartoons so you know fleischer superman stuff walt disney animation uh you know bugs bunny looney tunes hannah barbera batman the animated series gargoyles the anything and everything cartoons and animation funnel it down okay within that who are we going to be talking about well filmation and then funnel within that he-man and shira and then of course the the point where that comes to is a guy like james etock so it's basically layered but we're going to be talking about all cartoons. When we talk about stuff like Cartoon Network, the rise of the internet, uh, satellite TV, you know, the, the abundance of new channels that come out, DVDs and streaming, all of it has played a role in the history and evolution of cartoons and animation. The adult cartoons that are now such a big thing that start obviously with like stuff like The Simpsons, but even calling back within the Flintstones and how the, there was a lot of humor in there for mom and dad as well. 
Absolutely. So what are your favorite cartoons? Oh, man. The 80s were great, but there's so many great stuff. It's like cartoon series in the 90s as well. Batman, Spider-Man, X-Men. Those three are like right up there for me for sure. Gargoyles, DuckTales, Gummy Bears, Rescue oh, Rangers. No. Mask, Transformers, G.I. Joe, He-Man and Shira, of, of course. Uh, I love Scooby-Doo. I love the real Ghostbusters. I like Filmation's Ghostbusters. I like uh, Johnny Quest. I like Yogi Bear. Uh, Laugh Olympics is, is, okay, is awesome, yeah. the crossover type stuff. Uh, wacky Races to that extent as well. Uh, Jetsons, Flintstones. Um, oh, you know what show I love? And it's such a like a precursor to He-Man is Hercules, the mighty Hercules. Oh, you wow. know, with the ring. Mm -hmm. It's like, Hercules... Hero of song and story. That is such a classic cartoon for me. The, the Spider-Man from the 70s is a great cartoon. Oh, Those yeah. Fleischer Superman cartoons from, uh, you know, early on as well, like Tom and Jerry. There's so many Disney shorts that are burned into my head, let alone the feature stuff. There's there's so much to appreciate when it comes to cartoons um, that, it's a, that having a vehicle like James... And his quest now is such a blessing and, an, and what I call an excuse to go back and do a documentary on the bigger story because that's what I like to do. I like to not just do something that's happened, but to talk about, you know, it's happened, but why is it still important? And it's important because stuff like James and his, you know, journey right now are happening. Same with, you know, Jay and Nintendo Quest. Why is NES still relevant now? Well, here's a guy 30 years later trying to collect them all because they're important. Well, why are they still important? You know, well, here are the reasons why. Why are cartoons, you know, still important? Well, here are the reasons why. So faking filmation is going to be a really cool journey into all of cartoon history and, of course, the role of filmation uh, and that personal touch with everything that James is going to go through. He's going to get to know what it feels like to be my friend Jay when I poke him with a stick and say, what about this? And he's probably going to sweat under the pressure and he's not going to be used to it. So I think that's going to be interesting for me as well. How is this other guy going to react to these big personal questions when it's his dream on the line to see this, you know, get released. Now you mentioned other or most of the cartoons that have already been out there that are your favorites. Are you looking out for other people like from Hanna-Barbera or Disney to interview like old animators? Oh, absolutely. Anybody nice. that we can get, we will, we will try to get. There is literally nobody that is not allowed to participate if you're in the animation industry, writer, director, animator, storyboarder, uh, anything, you know, you work in as, as an editor, you work in sound, I'd love to hear from you. Let's let's get you on board and let's figure out a way to, to add your voice to the collective. Um, we've got a pretty cool list starting to develop and grow as it is already. I don't want to reach out to hundreds of people yet because it would be impossible to include them all even if we did get fully funded. Uh, so we, we start small and we see where it goes. And of course, the lovely thing is once you meet these people and they can kind of get to know you, a, a lot of the time they're like, you know, who you should talk to so-and-so. And then another door opens and then you go down that rabbit hole and you get to meet this other person that you never thought you'd have a connection to. So we know that that will happen as well. There, there's no shortage of people that we could, you know, interview from voice actors to, to writers to directors. Everything, everybody is relevant. That's Especially awesome. fans and collectors too, right? So I mean... It's both sides of the coin, the industry people and then the fans in the audience. Everybody matters. That's awesome. I, again, I can't wait for this movie to come out. Now, <laughs> you're going all the way back to like the Disney shorts and, and you know, Bugs Bunny. So we're talking back in the 30s almost. What do you feel yeah, we'll, is, we'll, a, is a we'll golden probably go age? earlier. 
Oh, we'll wow. probably go earlier than the 30s. We'll probably look at stuff like flip books and animations and the Nickelodeons that you'd pay five cents for and you'd see stuff, you know, That's basically incredible. move like persistence of motion with, you know, the horse running and you can see all the different feet up off the ground and stuff. Gertie, the dinosaur steamboat, you know, Mickey are, are obviously huge ones. There's, there's so many things that we can point to and the impact that those had. I mean, you look at the popularity of the shorts that Disney was doing in the 30s and it led to something like Snow White. The, the popularity of Snow White led to, you know, four other feature films. Now, Walt Disney's first five features, there's no common style amongst them. And they all, save Snow White, kind of lost money. They went over and above and beyond the budget that they had, but they got out there. It wasn't until Cinderella, 10 years after Snow White, or maybe 12, that they started making money again. And that's how he got basically permission to, to branch into Disneyland. It was the success off Cinderella that the investors were willing to take a chance. Like, okay, this this is back on Vogue. He he knows what he's doing again. That and some live action documentaries uh, mm -hmm. really showed that he was able to do stuff. So interesting tangents all together that led to to the bigger things. Him taking chances all the time. But that's all about the impact of animation. Why is something like Disneyland and Disney World such a destination for people? Because they think they can experience those animated features that they saw, and they'll feel like a kid again if they're surrounded by it. It's all animation. It's all it's all connected. Yeah, it's all magic. Now, what do you feel is the golden age of animation? No, oh, it's such a hard question because you can point to many eras and make such a case. You could you could say, you know, from 38, I think when Snow White was to, to 50, looking at Snow White, Pinocchio. Fantasia, Bambi, and Dumbo and say, man, look at the type of animation that we're getting there. Or you could easily jump and say, look at the animation we're getting in the 90s with Batman the Animated Series, uh, Animaniacs, Tiny Toons, Freakazoid, uh, Gargoyles, DuckTales, Darkwing Duck. There's, there's renaissances there. Or even on the feature side of Disney, Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, and The Lion King. Like Those four big films brought Disney back to being the kings of, you know, feature length animation. Uh, so there's so much you could, you could discuss. I mean, a lot of cartoons come out in the sixties, seventies and eighties, but they don't have the technical sophistication that everything had on either side of it, the nineties and, and earlier. And that's because they're trying to turn it out. They're trying to get it done quick and make sure that there's content out there. And thus you can see how filmation, a studio that, it has a, a ton of hits for it, but doesn't always have the highest production values and reuses a lot of sequence. You can see how they're able to be a part of that race and, and continue to be part of that discussion and have a voice in the realm of animation. Now, you mentioned a lot of Disney features. What about movies like The Secret of Nim or Five So Good? Five O. Yeah, so all, all, the, all the Bluth stuff. I mean, of course, Don Bluth worked for Disney. He didn't right. like it. He, his last uh, feature that he got credited on was Winnie the Pooh. And then he went to do stuff like Secret of Nim, American Tale, uh, Land Before Time. Those are all huge as well. Uh, Fern Gully was another one uh, that I think he was a part of. But if not, it's still part of that. Other studios can do animated features as well. Uh, it's, all, it's all part of it. You know, it's all about the alternatives, what are, what are out there. And if it wasn't for alternatives, again, I don't think Filmation would have been where they ended up being as a result. Now, what cartoons, everything's making a comeback with streaming. What cartoons would you like to see make a comeback that hasn't done so yet? Oh, that's so hard. I mean, because I don't feel like all the cartoons I love, we got so much of them. Something like Gummy Bears is a, is a great cartoon. There's a sense of history and magic and lore. Uh, 
and it ran for for such a long time. They never made an NES game for it, which I thought was strange, <laughs> given that there was NES games of other Disney afternoon shows. Uh, Gummy Bears was kind of like the first one, and then DuckTales, Rescue Rangers, and Darkwing kind of came after that. But, you know, there's a lot of episodes out there. I don't know that it needs to be redone. I like the new DuckTales. There's, you know, Darkwing has been, I guess, rumored or confirmed. Rescue Rangers, all of which have had cameos in one another. I don't need them because I have the original stuff. Scooby-Doo is always evergreen. Scooby-Doo is like the Transformers or Ninja Turtles uh, you know, of, of other properties. Cause it's always popular. It's always in vogue. It's always, it's like, you know, kids, kid friendly monster mysteries. It's always popular. Um, so it doesn't ever have to be re- reinvented cause it's always out there. Smurfs again, they've done very well with, mm-hmm. you know, feature length stuff. Uh, I don't know. Pink Panther, I don't think has really made a, a huge oh, comeback okay. as, as of late. So that could be a good one. Yeah. Um, I know Jendi Tartakovsky is doing Popeye. So yeah, 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 there you go. A reemergence of that. Now, how do you feel about cartoons today? Cartoons for who? Um, for both. For both kids and adults. Yeah, because uh, I know the we're pretty much being taken care of on the adult line. We have Adult Swim, but for kids, it kind of goes back and forth. Like we had Adventure Time, which was great for both of us, but Teen Titans Go is mostly for kids. And things like that. How do you feel about that today? I find a lot of the animated stuff for kids is noisy, cotton candy, carnival junk food. I feel it's very flashy, very in your face. It It's trying to be more extreme than it needs to be. I, I guess it depends on what the creators are trying to do. If they're just trying to hold somebody's attention, flashing and waving colors around and having action sequences is certainly going to do that but to hold a kid's attention you all you need is a really good story and storytelling techniques and i think that's where there's a lot of stuff that's missing um you know i i let my son watch you know uh, teen titans go and it's just like you can tell there's a difference between him going into it and him coming out of it it's just overstimulating in in the wrong way same with stuff like steven universe just Mm -hmm. A little, a little too heavy, you know. Like there's, there's just a little too much going on, and I think that's what they were trying to do with Thundercats Roar as well. Um, regardless of your preference for the cartoon, but it's that same zany, over the top, unnecessary production. From from my point of view, I, I look at something like Adventure Time, and sure, there's some crazy visuals going on there, but it's all very grounded in narrative and story and how things unfold. And there's heart and there's souls to those characters, and that's why that was successful, I think. You know, similarly for adult cartoons, some stuff works because it sticks to story and that that humanity through those characters versus, you know, adult situations and trying to push the boundaries on what we can talk about in an animated form. There's a complete difference, right? So let's talk about some technical things about cartoons. So DuckTales, the reboot just got canceled and they're having their final episode in March. They have big names. They have David Tennant and all these big name actors. Do you think the reason why it got canceled was because it got too pricey to produce? I think there's a bunch of reasons that it could get canceled. One, it's not on Disney Plus until much longer than it is on Disney XD and Disney Junior. And there's probably some contractual reasons for that. Uh, Obviously, you know, names like David Tennant have a price tag attached to them. I don't think kids care about who they hear. They just want that familiar voice. I don't think anybody, you know, unless you're a diehard, is going to know 
Alan Young is, who did Scrooge originally, right. they're not going to know. They're going to know what that character sounds like. So when you find that actor, make sure that that actor is available and you can afford to use them going forward. Disney is shifting everything. And I think that they've got to refigure out what their contracts are because paying somebody for broadcast or premium cable is different than paying for something on subscription and streaming. Um, I think there's some more politics behind the scenes going into it than, than simply the cost of a voice actor. Because you look at stuff like Daredevil and Punisher and the Defenders and all that on Netflix, it all got canceled because they didn't want to afford to keep paying it and producing it and eventually never own outright those characters. Why invest in them? Just to hand over a bigger investment to, to Disney down the road, so just cancel it now and cut your losses. And now Disney will be able to do what they want with it, right? So because Disney is prioritizing their streaming service and understandably, though not completely abandoning the theatrical window, uh, they just have to rethink a bunch of stuff that was kind of happening before Disney Plus happened. And mm-hmm. how do you get it into the fold now? So I think it's exciting for DuckTales because that means those seasons, which I have yet to see after season one, are going to come to Disney Plus and I'll be able to watch a lot of them back to back. And I think Darkwing is something that's going to happen. And maybe they can only choose to do one of those Disney afternoon shows at a time with their current budget. Who knows? Well, that's what I'm trying to get at overall budget because we have shows like Invincible coming out on Amazon Prime, huge cast. Kevin Smith's Masters of the Universe Revelations, another huge cast. What I'm trying to get at is, do you think we'll see lesser episodes because of the higher price tag? Or would you prefer to see like unknown voices that can go longer? Like, why have five seasons of a show with, you know, Meryl Streep, hypothetically, instead of getting, you know, the new kid on the block that has a great voice where we can get a show for 10 seasons. I don't, I don't think voice actors and and the cost of a cast on the animated side is quite like you might expect it to be on the live action side where there is a significant portion dedicated to those costs. There's a bit of a marketing spend, I think put in there to say Mark Hamill is coming out of retirement to do Skeletor. Sarah Michelle Gellar is doing it uh, to be, Tila, I think, or Evil Inn is the the lady from Game of Thrones. It's it's not going to impact it like you think it's going to. Okay. Um, I don't think you're going to get another five seasons if you have lesser known people. And I think in order to get people to watch, hence the marketing spend comment, you need to say that Mark Hamill is Skeletor. So it's worth the extra cost. But let's say he's going to get paid $25,000 an episode. It it would maybe would have been like twenty five or twenty thousand for somebody else. So it's not going to be like the difference of multiple seasons, and something like Revelation, it was charted before anybody was cast. So they had kind of figured out that we're going to do apparently ten episodes or whatever it is at this length, and here's the stories, and there's a budget set for that. Who can we get within this budget? And if somebody wants to, you know, charge more than what our budget allows, then that becomes a discussion. So you basically start with story and format first, and that dictates budget. It's So it's not going to be like, well, we can only do five episodes if we have Mark Hamill, but if we didn't have them, we could do 10. Okay, well, we'll just scrap all this stuff that was initially proposed in Greenland so we can get him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it kind of works in reverse. It's not going to impact it drastically. And if they go forward with a second season of something, you know, Revelation is going to be kind of a one-and-done 10 episodes, uh, apparently, that, that we think anyways... Um, 
it's kind of like, okay, we know that these extra costs might be here with these people or these people want more money to come back and do it. Um, that's all discussed ahead of time, you know, which is why you sometimes do get changeover and cast members. Now, you being a filmmaker, have you ever wanted to create your own animated feature? Yes, every day I think about it. Every day I think about doing animation and watching stuff like uh, the Frozen 2 behind the scenes on Disney+. Plus. Mm -hmm. It just makes me want to do it more. I make documentary films because I can't afford to do animated features <laughs> or cartoons or narratives. I love the documentary format. I love the style. I love the subjects I get to explore. But I write all the time. I'm writing books as well for kids, oh, wow. um, working with different illustrators. It's just a matter of executable means in order to achieve these things. And right now it's a little difficult, but I would love to direct an animated feature in a heartbeat. Let's move away from animation. I want to talk a little bit more about your other projects. Now, congratulations, Action Figure Adventure got picked up for a season two. I saw that on the, the bonus features. So congratulations there. Do you have? Well, that's not that's not quite confirmed yet. I had I had oh, fun with Jay. No, it's okay. I I had fun with Jay. I said, you know, this is from a broadcaster distributor. What do you want to do going forward? You know, good work so far. He said, really? Yeah. And I and I said I told him right away off camera. I'm like, this is what we hope to do. <laughs> and he goes, ah, I thought it was a real deal. I'm like, well, it's not not a real deal. We can forge our own destiny. If we want to do a second season, we can totally decide to do that. But there's a lot of cost in it, so we have to raise some money. So um, if we do a season two, season one has to get paid for, which is why we have our pre-order link at Big Bad Toy Store, kind of like pasted everywhere. We just need those discs uh, to fly off the shelves, and then we can say, yeah, it makes sense for us to do a second season of this. Gotcha. If there is a second season, would it be the same thing with Kickstarter? Yeah, and it would probably be a smaller goal, like a like a ten thousand dollar goal, uh, so smaller than faking filmation. Because if we do go ahead with season two, we will have broadcasters on board, we'll have sponsorships on board, so that the bulk of costs are in place. There, it's very expensive to do a series, and one that is so dependent on travel as well as which action figure adventure is. Uh, our plans for season two are, you know, not a, a anything that we have to hide. We would go right now coast to coast across canada so we'd go from vancouver to our hometown of london then halifax to our hometown of london or do some sort of circumventing loop if PowerCon uh becomes something that we can do we'd go from london ontario which is about toronto for everybody listening or watching go from toronto to la la to vancouver and then vancouver back home like a big triangle but a lot depends on what's open lots going to depend on vaccines and like i said if we can raise money by bringing sponsors on board who are going to put forth cash to help us cover production costs or services in kind, like uh, travel costs, uh, you know, car rentals, like a van for the crew to go around, hotels, lodgings, meals, gas cards, that kind of thing. It, it adds up very fast with a crew of five to six people traveling tens of thousands of miles. How's Mr. Dressup coming along? Very good. Um, again, a pandemic casualty where we couldn't continue to shoot and produce. We had to stop. Uh, but that gave us a chance to get all our pitch materials together and basically pitch different broadcasters. And we're getting some really exciting feedback on that. Uh, and for those of you that don't know about Mr. Dressup, he's kind of like Canada's Mr. Rogers. In fact, he was Mr. Rogers' apprentice. Uh, he came up with Fred Rogers when Fred was invited to CBC. Uh, and that's where Mr. Rogers' neighborhood, neighborhood with a U, 
uh, was developed. And then after a year, Fred went back and uh, redeveloped the show and, you know, changed it a little bit. Uh, and Ernie Coombs became Mr. Dressup and stayed behind. So um, there's some very similar sensibilities there and we're excited to, to find a home for it and then get back into it. Well, Rob, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, it's always fun. Like I said, just let me know and always happy to make some time and, and chat with you. And when we get production going again, we will let you know so you can help us help us out on that endeavor. And whether it's just at PowerCon or, or other things where we need your strong two arms to help us move gear and hold lights so we can interview Kevin Smith and take behind the scenes pictures. Oh, definitely. I, I was telling Ian the other day on Toy Lines, one of the best things about being an action figure adventure is I'm in the same movie as Kevin Smith. And I was directed, we were both directed by Rob, by the great Rob McCallum. So, <laughs> well, I don't know who this great Rob McCallum is. I'm just Rob McCallum, but I, I thank you very much for feeding my ego this afternoon. So, Faking Filmation Kickstarter launches on April 6th. You can purchase Action Figure Adventure right now from Big Bad Toy Store. Is it up for pre order or is it shipping right now? It's up for pre order for $29.99. So, it's the two disc, 10 episode season one. Awesome. You can watch Jay and Rob on their show on YouTube and Facebook every Monday evening at 8.30 where they discuss everything about toys. It's a great show. Thanks, man. Where, I appreciate that. Where can they find you on social media? Best thing to do is honestly go to my website, robmickzob.com. You'll have links to all my previous projects there. Uh, they'll tell you different ways to watch it. The social links are at the bottom, at robmickzob on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, and I'm pretty easy to get a hold of on Facebook too. Visit our Faking Filmation page. Visit visit our Action Figure Adventure page. I'm kind of everywhere. Please email us at mail at peopleofeternia.com. Find us on social media at People of Eternia on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I'm Tom Romero. Again, thank you, Rob McCollum, for being here. You have That's the right. power. I'm still trying to work out a ending tagline. If you have suggestions, please let me know. Raise the sword, oh, because you have the power. There you go. Oh, I forgot my scarf, too. Ah, oh, yeah, I don't, I'm not wearing, got my scarf over here. There we go. <laughs> nice. Scarf's up. <laughs>